0: Greetings and welcome to the Business of Agriculture a podcast. With me, your host Damian Mason. We get together here every week and discuss issues impacting and affecting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. That's right; it's the business of agriculture, and we've got a good one for you today. I've just finished a presentation for uh, an agricultural summit in Tennessee, and I was able to hear before me the Department of Agriculture's uh, Tennessee Department of Agriculture's deputy commissioner. His name is Tom Womack, and he's a smart dude, and he's got. Lots of good stuff to say. And I wanted to bring him to you, my fans and friends and listeners, because Tennessee has a Department of Agriculture initiative going on that I think other states need to make sure they're doing the same thing, or or maybe some of them already are, but I know many are not. So anyway, welcome to the show, Mr. Tom Womack.
1: Thank you very much, Damien. Glad to be here. Appreciate
0: it. Um, I'm so glad you're here. All right. What does the Tennessee Department of Agriculture do? I mean, we know what the United States Department of Agriculture does. We've got the farm bill. We've got, uh, we've got the school lunches. We've got uh, the crop insurance initiative. We've got all those things that our USDA does. And they put out the census of agriculture and those kinds of things. What do you do at the Tennessee Department of Agriculture?
1: Well, we're where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Uh, we're a little closer to the farm and the farm production, and all those things that you talk about USDA doing, we also do in many ways at the far, at the state level, uh, whether it may be ensuring the quality of agricultural inputs or food products, uh, uh, pesticides, all of those things. We're doing that as well at the state level, as well as uh, trying to help farmers and farmland owners and forest landowners protect their land. and. Uh, um, uh, to improve our natural resources. So uh, we do that uh, as an agency. We've got about 800 employees. Uh, we got, I like to say we have three missions in one. Uh, one of that is, uh, like I just said, addressing our natural resources, uh, helping with soil and water conservation, but also with forest health. Uh, In Tennessee, forestry is a major industry. Uh, Hardwood forests make up about half of our land area, so it's a very important uh, natural resource and commodity for our landowners. The second mission is in the sphere of uh, commerce and consumer protection, all the things that I said about animal health protection, plant protection, uh, food safety. Weights and measures, all of those things that go into it. And then our third focus, uh, which is primarily what we focused on here today at this forum, and that's business development. Uh, How can we help increase farm income and investment in agribusiness and all those things and exports?
0: You're the deputy commissioner, and you said there's 800 employees. Uh, it's a it's an organization that is answers to the governor, but really, whether, regardless whether the governor's a, a male, a female, a, a Republican, a Democrat, it doesn't matter. The Department of Agriculture stays here. How do you keep from being? Uh, how do you, how do you have the imprint of the thumbprint, if you will, of the governor, but also not uh, just being on political whims?
1: Well, uh, we're a little bit different in the South. Most of the commissioners of agriculture are elected in statewide office in the South. In Tennessee and, and one or two other Southern states, uh, our commissioner of agriculture, Dr. Charlie Hatcher, is appointed by the, commi- by the governor, uh, Governor Bill Lee. Um, so he is a member of the governor's cabinet. Uh, the governor's policy is our policy and vice versa. And we're very fortunate in Tennessee that we have a governor that comes from the farm. He's first and foremost a businessman, a successful businessman, uh, but he also comes from the farm, a long generation of cattle producers, and he knows and understands agriculture and its impact on our rural areas and our rural economy.
0: Bill Lee is your governor, and you and I, before we started recording, you told me that we had some really good things going on in Tennessee, and that is the uh, ag initiatives, and we're going to get into that, but before we do, uh, some more numbers, because I think that, remember, we've got everybody from the cranberry producer in Massachusetts, because they've been a client of mine, to the John Deere uh, sales manager in western Nebraska, to uh, the produce producer out in California, and certainly my corn and soybean and cattle and hog friends all throughout the Midwest and Plains. Tennessee is a big state it's skinny and runs a lot east to west over in the east you got like where the university is I've been through there I've been to a lot of your state I see a lot of hills I see a lot of hollows I see some even some mountains you said half of this state is covered by forest what does agriculture look like here before we get into the initiatives what does agriculture look like in the state of Tennessee
1: well, Tennessee is a very diverse state uh, geographically and agriculturally and, and culturally in many respects. In fact, uh, the three stars on our flag stand for the three great states of Tennessee. We have three distinct regions, uh, east middle and west Tennessee, and and uh, you're right. In East Tennessee, you have your small, more uh, smaller uh, livestock operations, a lot more dairy farms in that area, specialty crops as well. It's very well suited. Traditionally, burly tobacco. Middle Tennessee, you have your rolling pastures. It's uh, great for cattle production and horses and uh, as well as some row crop, and then you have the rich delta land in the west that uh you know some some of your larger operations of traditional corn soybeans cotton wheat uh that kind of production. we like to think that's a strength of our state's agriculture it's It's about an eighty billion dollar impact from uh, the farm to the consumer in Tennessee about a four billion dollar farm income represented there.
0: Okay, that's great. That's great information, and that's why I wanted to do, because remember, part of the fun for this is that we make it educational and interesting. A long time ago, I said I was not going to do a podcast about ag where we talked about uh, four-cent moves in the grain prices and, and uh, grain charts. Uh, we We're going to talk about the weather, because there's a lot of that, that happens in the business of agriculture. I love learning, and I've been to your state quite a bit. Yeah, when I think about, like, the Memphis part of Tennessee, it's got, it looks like there's great big tractors out there doing row crops and, and a little bit different, because there's over there, but <clears throat> it wouldn't be too dissimilar from, uh, you know, the Midwest in that regard.
1: It, yeah, certainly. You could, you could stand in uh, uh, the Delta region of Tennessee or even in Northwest Tennessee, and you could be anywhere in the mid Midwest. Yeah, or Plain States even. And then you've got the stuff in the central. And so you guys
0: are a pretty big cattle state, and and a lot of people wouldn't think that because you've got some curvy ground, and that's forage and hay and pasture production. And then uh, on the east side of the state... Tobacco, you were involved with that because you've been with the Department of Agriculture for a long, long time here in the state. What happened in the 1990s when tobacco changed?
1: Well, of course, uh, one of the big factors was the uh, Master Settlement Agreement, uh, the uh, lawsuit with uh, 46 states against uh, cigarette manufacturers, obviously Tennessee being one of the top three or four tobacco-producing states. Uh, that certainly had an impact here in terms of uh, market dynamics for our tobacco market, particularly for burley tobacco. In fact, we used to grow probably eighty percent of our tobacco was burley tobacco. Okay, and so
0: the person that's listening, that might just be a, a dairy farmer up in uh, Minnesota, is saying, "Okay, help me out here. I uh, I know a little bit about tobacco, burley versus."
1: Dark fire tobacco, uh, which is typically a smokeless tobacco, so Burley primarily goes into cigarette manufacturing. So we've kind of switched that now since the 1990s. We still grow somewhere around a hundred million dollars worth of, of tobacco in Tennessee, but now the majority of that is dark fire tobacco or that goes into snuff and other smokeless products.
0: Okay, dark fire equals chew, chew really. That's interesting. Uh, the
1: farms have also gotten larger and under contract uh, whereas before in Tennessee every small farm had a, some tobacco acreage.
0: Yeah, the word when I was a kid in Indiana because maybe you drove through here or you knew someone that did is that there's a every there's 3 acres or 2 acres or 5 acres of tobacco and that was a very uh, and I even had somebody that was a Tennessean that told me that, that that was the idea that you, that's how you put your kid to college because you're three acres of tobacco. So is, that's that doesn't happen anymore.
1: Uh, not very much. No, you've, it's it's like everything else. It's scale of economy. It's about quality, and uh, the the buyers are looking for producers who can can uh, produce at that level and produce specific quality that they're looking for. So the small uh, acreage has pretty much gone away and uh, has been replaced really by beef cattle in many instances, or in some cases, specialty crops, but primarily beef cattle, because that was something a lot of farmers already did. So they they were simply able to expand. They just expanded those acres into that. Okay. Dean's, I wrote
0: an article about Dean's, the milk processor. And I specifically remember that they uh, shut down facilities that, impacted what dairy was left in Tennessee uh, and uh, Kentucky uh, and some in Indiana my home state so dairy used to exist here to a larger level and that's because you've got the you got the topography and then you do have the markets you got plenty of population between Nashville you know uh, different big cities dairy's changed and it doesn't happen here much anymore
1: well, we, we've we certainly lost a lot of dairy farms, just like all the other states, and, and it's been maybe even more prominent here for several reasons. One, Dean still has a, a large presence uh, here in Tennessee with a couple of manufacturing plants. They're still very important to our dairy industry and probably account about 40, for about 40% of our dairy market right now. Uh, but we all know the troubles they've had, and um, uh, with the consolidation in the industry and uh, some vertical integration with some of our big retailers, uh, that's directly impacting Tennessee dairy farmers. We have some limiting factors here. One, uh, we we our, our geography just doesn't allow us to grow dairy farming to a very large scale. I mean, you're talking about a thousand head. Operations a large operation in Tennessee, so it's really hard unless you're producing uh, for a niche market, uh, on farm processing yourself and labeling and selling directly to the consumer. uh, It's about efficiency,
0: which happens those those farms, those things happen particularly in population centers. So if you were on a couple hundred acres within a quick drive of Nashville or Knoxville or one of the larger cities, you could see that. But that's only still going to have so much potential.
1: Yes, and, and we have a few of those that are very successful, but not everybody is, you're right, not everybody is in the right location, and neither are they necessarily a marketer, so so that's directly impacted it. Uh, t- also, we're in a milk deficit region, and uh, the milk we produce here, for the most part, goes further south, and then uh, because of the milk marketing orders, it allows milk to be brought in That that's very... Um, uh, cause a, 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 a really an unfair co- competition for local production for local dairy farmers in Tennessee, and we're very concerned about that.
0: It <laughs> works pretty well for the, the guy that rents my land because his milk a lot of times does go south up in Indiana because sure. uh, that's where you're, you're talking about.
1: You know, but but what makes this harder is the fact that dairy operations tend to be more economically impactful in rural communities. They take more inputs, they require more labor, they're more investment, they're capital intensive. And now that we've, we're losing so many of those dairy operations, we're also losing that multiplier effect that they the feed bring to mill, our economy.
0: The the supplies, etc. Beef. Uh you know, as much as there's folks that uh, believe we're going to have plant-based meat, I've ran some numbers that you just saw me present them. That uh, Beyond Meat's quarterly sales revenue was sixty-seven million dollars, and everybody's jumping around themselves about how Beyond Meat is going to, and Impossible Burgers are going to take over beef. That's about one afternoon for McDonald's sales. Uh, I mean, it just as a, it's just a fly in the room at this point, with a lot of potential. Tennessee does have a real opportunity on beef, especially as we move into more demand on grass-fed. Is that something you see as a growth category?
1: Uh, Certainly, we see all of that as a growth category. In Tennessee, we do one thing very well, and that's that's produce forage. And, And we market our forage through our beef cattle. Uh, of course, we're primarily a cow-calf state, meaning that we're shipping our calves out to the Midwest for the most part, but we're seeing tremendous growth and in interest in locally produced and and, and bought beef, and uh, we're we're working hard at the Department of Agriculture to try to expand our processing capacity that we lost decades ago to the Midwest. We're trying to recapture that, at least for these smaller producers who want to sell directly to consumers, and so uh, uh, we've had some limited success in in attracting some investment in smaller processors to be able to serve that market.
0: Listening to Tom Womack, uh, he's with the Tennessee Department of Agriculture. In case you just got up and grabbed yourself a Coke and forgot what we're doing here on the Business of Agriculture podcast, uh, as I always take a little break here around the midpoint to remind you, I have a book called Do Business Better that you could buy, and it makes a great Christmas present. But more importantly, Food Fear, my next book, which is about the business of food and agriculture and how Americans are being (laughs) frightened of their food by cause groups and politicians and how food is being weaponized, will be available in December. Tom Womack, you are doing some amazing things in Tennessee through the Department of Agriculture and you talked about Governor Bill Lee and your department's initiatives where you're doing what you're calling the rural initiative. You've got a fan and a friend and a banker in your governor and that he is a farm boy. He's an ag person. He wants to do well. We know, you and I do, because we're farm kids ourselves. Sometimes I hear in the rural landscape it ain't always pretty. There's the Norman and Rockwell imagery that our customers want to have, and then there's a the reality. I know farmers that have had their uh, their anhydrous tanks vandalized by people trying to get stuff to make meth. I know that there is um, some economic strain out there. So there are the realities of rural America, and sometimes uh, our our city and suburban brethren don't really see it. You're doing stuff to address that with your rural initiative. Tell me about it.
1: Uh, We've got a real dichotomy in Tennessee. Uh, We're right here in Nashville. And one of the most booming economies in the country it's nashville's known as the it city and that expands to the donut county counties around uh, nashville and davidson county that's great uh... we also have major growth in memphis and knoxville and chattanooga and attracting industry but if you drive just a uh, an hour east or west of nashville you're in rural tennessee where in in some cases we have uh... Some of the most economically distressed counties in the country. And uh, so, trying to bridge that so that we're bringing up the whole economy. Governor Lee has a rule initiative, that's what he campaigned on. And it's uh, more of a whole approach uh, focused on uh, healthcare, education, connectivity in those communities. Our part with the Tennessee Department of Agriculture obviously is focused on uh, developing uh, our ag industry and markets for farmers. When you travel in these communities, it's very obvious there's two things that drive the economy, and that's farming and forestry. And so we are looking at how we can, one, boost farm income through a cost-share program we have called the Ag Enhancement Program. That's funded through an appropriation from the legislature. Where the farmer has skin and uh, skin in the game, they have to be able to put in uh, anywhere from fifty percent to sixty-five percent of the cost of a project. Um,
0: okay, wait. Okay, we're just so we don't get too far ahead of us here. So the rural initiative, we obviously understand why, and a lot of our folks don't. I mean, there are people that truly don't get that they think they think there's a problem in the inner city with um, uh, economic stress uh, or drugs. And you and I both can say that we see this out here in rural Tennessee and in rural Indiana. And, um, you know, they talk about crimes of despair, or worse yet, deaths of despair, where people are truly committing suicide or killing themselves because, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're having a they're in a bad way. So this is needed. First off, you said ag and forestry. And you told us earlier that half of Tennessee's land is covered by wood. Is there a push to do something on wood? Timber, before we go into the Ag Enhancement Program, if you're so much of your land that is covered by forest, what, what can we do to better utilize that?
1: Yeah, most of that forest land, and and in Tennessee we're talking about hardwood forest primarily, uh, is in the hands of private ownership. About 80% of it or more is in private ownership. And so, one, it's about educating our landowners about proper health management, uh, but also looking for market opportunities. We have a thriving primary and secondary wood manufacturing industry in Tennessee. We're one of the top, if not the top, uh, hardwood flooring manufacturer in, ten, uh, in in the country. And uh, we're one of the major exporters of hardwood lumber. And so, so we're
0: probably already doing right there. We're not, we're not, that's not our problem right now, because if you're taking, if you've already got the trees, you've got the land and it's being managed in, in proper stewardship and you can do the value added of, you not only are growing it, you're cutting it and you're processing, it, you're making it into hardwood floors. It sounds like that side of the rural equation isn't our problem.
1: Well, it, it is and it isn't. Uh, we've certainly seen some impacts from the trade with China uh, and the tariffs that's directly impacted our hardwood industry. In fact, we've had a trade mission just over in Vietnam exploring other market opportunities for our hardwood lumber. Okay, so the problem is
0: that we we've, we don't have enough places to go with it because of uh, we can't burn through enough hardwood products here in the U.S.?
1: Uh, uh, that is correct. Uh, what happens, we're, we're producing the raw product for the most part, and it's being finished and sent back here for as finished product and furniture for us to buy as consumers. We would love to be able to capture some more of that secondary industry that finishes hardwood lumber as well.
0: Got it. So that, that's good on forestry. The Ag Enhancement Program, you started to explain, I just want to make sure that I didn't lose sight of the forestry. Ag Enhancement Program, I'm a farm owner, I'm a, I'm a farm o- operator, and I um, have this idea, I want to expand my industry. I want to start making cheese or I want to uh, do something. You say there's this Ag Enhancement Program and you're willing to give me some matching money to help this rural community. What are the projects and how does it work?
1: Well, it, it's a whole spectrum of projects. If you're a cattle producer, it's about helping you invest in cattle handling equipment. It may be a headgate. It may be a, a herd health management program. Um, it may be hay storage or or, or whatever. Uh, we will call share up to 35 uh, percent up to 50% in some cases of those farm projects. If you're a grain producer, it's talking, it's about cost sharing on, on farm grain storage. We've been very successful in helping Tennessee farmers uh, increase their on farm grain storage to be able to weather the down commodity market that we have. That's been very significant. Uh, and it's also a little bit towards diversification, helping farmers that think outside the box, maybe going to grape production to serve our growing wine industry, or it may be fruits and vegetables.
0: How's the, okay, there's two things with that. Uh, if I'm the person that's in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, the suburb of Nashville, and I'm I've got a good job, and uh, I I say, wait a minute, why are you taking my money and giving it to this guy out here to build grain bins? Hell, you didn't build a you didn't you didn't build me a new dry cleaners. I own dry cleaners. How do you sell that?
1: Uh, because farmers are business uh, farms are a business. And we got 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 a tree like that. And, and they have such a direct impact, particularly to those rural communities that we talked about. So you sell it by
0: saying that it's a, it's a investment in rural community economic development.
1: It's an economic development tool. Exactly. Uh, uh, for every dollar that we're spending in helping a farmer invest, uh, studies are showing that as much as $4 are coming back in Econ- additional economic ac- activity to those communities, so it, it is very much an economic development program for us,
0: and it's, and it's going to have to be positioned that way, or you're going to face uh, you're going to face some real. Criticism.
1: Not every community can attract an auto manufacturing facility. Not every community can attract a telephone call center, service center. We've got to be able to leverage the resources we have in those rural areas, and that, that means investment in agriculture and forestry. We also have a cost-share program that that Governor Lee has supported and has made a standing program with some recurring dollars, and that's aimed at small agribusinesses. Uh, Quite often, they're left out of the traditional uh, sources of funding for jobs, incentives, and investment. Um, It's great when we're able to attract uh, a 5,000-job Amazon facility service center here in Nashville, but what do we do for the 10, 15, 20-employee a sawmill operation in rural Tennessee Yeah, it's in
0: the town of it's in a town of a thousand people or two thousand people and it it, twenty jobs in a town like that means a heck of a lot
1: so we now have a tool some cost share dollars Uh, it's a competitive grant where we'll pay up to twenty five percent of an investment to expand uh... an existing or invest in a new facility either to process meat or to process lumber it may be a feed mill that, that, that's diversifying. The numbers again? Uh, cost t- share? Cost share of up to 25% of a proposed budget.
0: Okay, so I, I come to you and I say, I'm out here, we got these. We got a bunch of these calves that are going to the feed yards in Nebraska. But you know what? I think we can keep some of them back here and we can do grass-fed meat and we're going to do a, a, a processing facility and I'm going to call it Damien's uh, all-natural grass-fed Tennessee beef. Uh, I've got the animals and I've got people that don't want to Grow them for me, and I want to build this building. It's going to cost me a million dollars to build this facility.
1: That's exactly right. And in fact, uh, we say we'll give you 250. Well, uh, limited with funding, but yes, we just approved a very similar proposal. uh, Exactly what you described. Uh, We weren't quite able to do $250,000, but enough to sweeten the pot and hopefully help make that project a reality.
0: What if I close that facility in a year? Uh, Are you recouping that money? Because that's the next way you're going to be criticized.
1: Uh, One thing we do require is that uh, they they provide uh, regular reports and that we're tracking the metrics on the jobs they create and the investment they're making and the production they're, that's going out the door. One thing we do to uh, uh, put priority on is, one, are they located in one of these distressed or at-risk counties? That gives them a higher point, point uh, uh, on their application. The other thing is the size of the investment and the number of rural jobs they're going to create or are they creating an additional market for other farmers and landowners in the area? That's the criteria we so look at. It's multiplying effect. Now yes. we just
0: made it so that I have a place to take uh, 40 of my steers each year that I'm grass fed. I'm getting fed. A, I'm getting a premium, and then now I can go to the Napa store and <laughs> buy parts for my car, et cetera. So this is the multiplying effect. Have you made any? Have you made any slam dunk home runs that you want to tell me about?
1: Well, yeah, uh, there's a, uh, small sawmill up in East Tennessee that, uh, is producing white oak, uh, staves and, and producing barrel heads that are shipped to Scotland for, for whiskey, whiskey production. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then obviously you make your own whiskey here as well, uh, as the Tennessee, uh, Tennessee is, is known for its whiskey as well. Uh problem that you see that i see that a lot of folks don't see if they live in the big city you talked about now we talked about the farm investment and farm enhancement program and then we talk about agribusinesses out here in rural america where we do our farming and our business of agriculture connectivity you know i i'm i'm fortunate i have very fast internet because i'm not too far from town but if i wanted to have a home-based business and i'm not here on damn near dial-up that's what some of these places are dealing with is that ever going to happen
1: uh we we want to get there um and in fact uh, we have a, still have a lot of uh, areas that uh, where we have gaps in connectivity certainly in rural Tennessee a couple of things we're doing to address that one uh uh legislation was passed in the previous administration that uh allowed rural rural electric cooperatives to get into the game so we're now seeing that happening here in Tennessee with the same approach to rural electrification 70 80 years ago we're bringing that to rural connectivity now and the and this, the is state. The, this is
0: the place with the TVA man and, you, guys, and this you guys are pioneers is,
1: that's right and this is uh and the legislature also appropriated some dollars to put behind that to help build that infrastructure and that system there uh also just uh Secretary Purdue was in Tennessee just last week and and announced a major grant from usda to help support rural rural connectivity uh in one of our western counties so those it's it's not going to happen overnight uh but uh we have got to connect our rural communities because it drives as much the farm and forest business as it does the um uh, telephone company in the city
0: well and also yeah that By the way, you know, there was a big deal when we got telephone service uh, that competed with cities in rural America, what, 40, 50 years ago. It made it so that now we weren't behind the times.
1: And And this is a big deal. And it's also about uh, increased access to uh, education online. It's about increased uh, access to health care, telehealth care. It's about all of those things.
0: You mentioned those when you talked about the governor's initiative or the rural initiative, if you will, that is being done through the Tennessee Department of Agriculture. And you mentioned innovation and technology. Uh, Broadband's a big part of that. Is there anything else we can do?
1: Uh, yeah, we've got something going on very unique in Tennessee. Uh, we invested in a partnership back in 2015 called AgLaunch. Uh, it's a, uh, uh, a startup accelerator that is focused on agricultural technology based in Memphis, and uh, so far we've run somewhere around 25 companies through that accelerator. One thing that makes Tennessee's Ag tech accelerator different is the fact that we are Uh, as an agency, helping to call share farmers to be able to field test some of this new technology. That's something that a lot of other accelerators don't have. And it's getting some attention and some traction nationally. And um, we've been successful in in bringing in startups uh, from all across the country and, and internationally to Tennessee to field test their product.
0: You're from an agricultural background. You're from the small town, just, just like me. Your heart's there. Uh, I have discussions with people that say, man, is this just going to be the nature of it? You know, Bippus, Indiana is a little community four miles from my farm. They used to have a co-op. They used to be a farm machinery dealer there and a couple other four businesses and a bank. And now it's just a bunch of abandoned buildings. I don't know that Bippus comes back, but now I even wonder about my own hometown, uh, Huntington, Indiana, which is a factory and a farm town. Do you see a time where the kind of initiatives you guys are working on at least stops the bleeding and then all of a sudden you like look around and say, oh, well, we already stopped the bleeding. Now, my goodness, we've got this dairy processor that's doing this new thing over here. and We've got this. Cause I'm seeing some of those good things. Um, is it going to be enough?
1: Um Farmers have always been innovative and early adopters. We just want to bring that sector of the industry that we know is growing and where we're going to Tennessee's front door. And uh, we've got a, a one success story is a company that's testing um, uh, a product in swine production and swine production houses here in Tennessee that will help reduce uh, pig mortality, um, it's litter mortality. And so uh, we've got a company that's uh, using drone to deliver spot spraying for uh, insects and diseases. Um, uh, that We know that's where the industry is going. We want to, our farmers uh, we see that as part of the growing ag economy a changing ag economy. We know not all those companies are going to stay in Tennessee and develop manufacturing facilities in Tennessee, but we hope some of them will, and we expect some of them will. One thing we're doing unique with our farmer network is the farmer that's testing these products also gets an equity stake in the, in the company as well.
0: Okay, so if, I, if I'm involved in, and this is beyond the ag enhancement program, this is a different thing?
1: Uh, this is the Ag Launch Program.
0: Okay, and uh, so what's my equity? Uh, tell me how that works, real quick.
1: Well, uh, it, it's a, it's a partnership between the startup and that particular farmer, and uh, that's negotiated on the front end before they uh, start their relationship. Um, what that equity might turn out looking like at the end is really depending dependent partly on the success of that startup. But there's a cost to a farmer to be able to test this new technology. They're setting aside their time, their labor, yep. their land to be able to do it. Yep. One thing the state of Tennessee is doing is helping to off- offset that cost to that farmer to encourage their participation.
0: His name is Tom Womack. He's the deputy commissioner with the Tennessee Department of Agriculture. We're talking about great things that are happening, some challenges that we're dealing with, and what we're going to do to to get through them. Last thoughts. Uh you're out here you're you're an advocate you're working for it you're you're doing what you can for rural tennessee we need this in all of our rural communities what do we got to do
1: i think this is an exciting time in agriculture and really for society in general and uh, uh, so rewarding to be in an industry that uh, we know uh, our our safety our national security Uh, our economic well-being and our quality of life depends on food production and fiber production and we really think we have an opportunity to be on the cutting edge here in Tennessee with what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think uh, there's a lot of we'll have opportunity for all of rural america we we need the uh broadband and we need the we do need the uh, economic incentive you know like you said uh, a honda plant comes in and they'll get uh you know a hundred million dollars of tax abatements um that's fine for that community what about the place 50 miles down the road that just wants uh t- 10 jobs that can keep uh keep a small town afloat
1: well that's going to be important that's going to be the key uh we we, we only We are only as successful as our weakest link, right? Uh, So we need to bring up all of our our counties, not just uh, the competitive counties. His name is Tom Womack,
0: Tennessee Department of Agriculture. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
0: Appreciate it. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, it's the business of agriculture.